You are listening to Impact My City, a podcast for the rising entrepreneur pursuing their endeavors to be the person they want to become. I'm your host, Danny Aguirre. In this podcast, you'll hear stories from entrepreneurs, influencers, and rising artists. You'll be able to learn from their experiences and cater it to your lifestyle. So let's get started. Steve Willis, aka Commando Steve. Steve, you have a remarkable story. Can you go ahead and tell us just how you became Commando Steve? Like, where did it start growing up? How did you get to where you are? Gosh, uh, I think life for me has been much like anybody else. I uh, went through school to year 12. I, um, I wanted to do a trade and become a builder. And I left school in the the early to mid 90s and trades were a little difficult to get at that time. So a friend of my dad's suggested I join the military and uh, and go to engineers and do my trade through engineers. So I did that. And um, going through recruit training, a lot of the the older guys that were the, the directive staff had I'd come from infantry and, uh, you know, they were army and I was, uh, there's no point being in the army unless you, you go to infantry. You can do any other job in the army in civvy street. So it's either infantry or rack off back to civvy street. Uh And so I was, you know, 18, 19, I was young, I was impressionable. And I think at that stage in life where we're all looking for acceptance amongst our peers and, you, know, you wanna you wanna mix it with the best of them. So I found myself going to uh to infantry, went through the school of uh of infantry IETs, and then I was posted into a unit. And within a year of being in that unit, it went through a role change to commandos, so full time special forces unit. Wow. And we were given the option to stay in and do the selection process or to take a posting out. I chose to stay. I didn't know any different and um, went through all the rigors of selection you know, the uh, just that process where they, they really break you down. They test your character under you know, very challenging circumstances and, and see even when you're completely busted, if you're capable of still exuding those attributes that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I must have ticked the boxes and I, uh, I passed that, did, uh, did all the training and spent the next 10 years you know, in uh, what is now known as the 2nd Commando Regiment. And they've worked closely with a lot of the American units, with the Navy SEALs and the like, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Afghanistan. And um, just before I left the military, after September the 11th, um, we came back from Timor and the Australian government recognised that we needed a second counterterrorism capability in Australia on the East Coast. So I was tasked, along with others, to be uh, one of the guys to help raise that capability. And we, we were put through you know, all the training from SASR, which is over on the other side of Australia. It's like, the, I guess, the East and West Coasts, much like in the States. And um, the geography and the lay of the land, Australia, it's, it's like flying from New York to, to LA. That's how far apart Perth and Sydney are. Yeah, it's, it's quite a distance. Wow. So for SAS to deploy in a, in a reasonable time to resolve a, a, in a, a, a terrorist situation, the likelihood would be quite small. So that's why the government wanted the second capability. So I did that for the last two years of my uh, my military career, which I learned a lot around you know that black role side of things and just I think probably more so than anything um, planning and preparation and just constantly being ready that state of readiness. Of course, At moments notice being able to just tool up and and go in and execute and get the job done but always in the back of your mind or as a team have a contingency plan, you know, because we all know the first plan, the best plan always gets blown to bits and um, it's picking up those pieces 
um, and, and having a, a secondary plan, a contingency that you can roll with. Otherwise, you're just fractured and you just fall to pieces. And, um, and, and that's what I did for the last two years. I left the military at, I think I was 30 years of age, just under, and I was working in a gym. And because I'd always enjoyed physical activity ever since I was, I was young. And it was something that I identified with, kind of attached to, and it really helped me through some difficult times in my, in my youth. And that enjoyment that I got from it, um, when I was questioning myself about leaving the military and saying, what am I going to do? Well, that was my first port of call. So I started working in a gym, training clients, and at that point in time, the biggest loser had started in the United States and they had come and run a season here in Australia. And they were looking for the second season for Australian trainers. And um, I got a phone call one day. I was just in the right place at the right time. But being in the right place at the right time still requires you to jump through a number of hoops and be deemed suitable for the role. And I think I just, I just managed to scrape my way through. I still question myself to this day how it all happened. But um, they thought I was right, made of the right stuff for, um, for television. I'd never done any media training or uh, been in front of the camera. As you would know, within the military, it's, uh, it's really play things down. It's not be too overt. It's more about just, you know, being comfortable in yourself and, and, and the pride in, that you take in what it is that you do, but you don't, know, you need, you don't go and shoot it from the, roof, from the rooftops. Absolutely. So kind of backtracking when you started in the military, you joined when you were 18 to 19. So going in, for at least me, when I went in when I was 19, it was, it was an experience to say the least. Like nobody, nobody joins the military at 19. Like it's kind of rare over here and I'm sure it is over there too. Cause nobody wants to go to war at the age of 18, 19. Um, but as far as you going in, I mean, you took substantial risk in order to really learn what you're doing. Right. Oh, so totally. it, scared so how- the, it scared the life out of me. I, I was stepping into the unknown and there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of apprehension. I was sick to the pit of my stomach. You know, like, like any new skill or doing anything where, where there isn't a level of certainty around it, it scares the life out of you. But that's where I think bravery, courage, and strength, that's the true essence of those values. It's doing the things that scare the life out of you anyway. And over time, over time, through your practice and experiences and your ability to communicate and share with others, that it starts to fall within those boundaries of your norm. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm smiling so much right now because it's so funny because I, I know exactly how you feel because immediately when I got to my recruit training and I'm standing out there in... 10 degree weather at attention for two hours and they're screaming at me and I'm shaking this little California boy wearing shorts in 20 degree weather. Uh, There's no, no different feeling. You know, I know exactly how you feel because it's the fear of the unknown, but that's where the growth is. Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember the first, the first phone call that we were allowed to make and and the person that I called was my mum. Yeah. It was like, get me out of here. I hate <laughs> this place. I want to come home. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, you think you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof as a teenager and the military, they will break you down. They'll break that civilian down and they'll rebuild you, you know, as a soldier. They'll, they'll give you the tools and the necessary framework to be able to do the job. But you've got to be able to embrace, accept, kind of, uh, and deal with um, what it is they throw at you. And and it's not for everybody. Absolutely. And we also have a a saying here that's like, embrace the suck. 
And that's exactly what it is. It's just you kind of embrace the suck and you kind of learn from it. I mean, there's days where you're working a 12-hour shift. There's days where you're working a 16-hour shift. But as a high schooler, when I was in high school, it was like, man, I got a four-hour shift today. I want to kill myself. Like, this sucks, you know? And then now it's like, okay, well, now I have a 12-hour shift. All right, that's nice. I don't have a 16-hour shift today, you know? But, like, sometimes it happens that way. And I think that's something, a skill that you can learn as well as for business and entrepreneurship, which obviously you do, um, that will just push you and motivate you even more to go get more done, you know? Yeah, very, very much so. And I, I, um, listening to you just now, just going over my own experiences and, and that understanding and embracing that suck, even through the suffering and through the pain and the struggle and, and whatever it is that you want to call it, um, there's also beauty contained within that. But unfortunately, I think society tends to focus and, and, and um, get caught up in a lot of the negative and, and a lot of the, the abrasive aspects of, of the suck when actually there is such beauty in there as well. There, there can be happiness and joy, but you've, you've just got to be willing to open your eyes to it and, um, and go in with open arms and embrace Absolutely. it. And that's where, you know, lately uh, for me, distilling it all down, it comes down to two things, the essence of how we as humans operate. And it's either through fear or love. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's just funny too, how like, I could relate so much to how you feel and how, how much you've learned through that. I mean, like I, like I said, there's a huge learning gap when you put yourself in situations like that. For instance, you've gone to Iraq, right? It was Iraq that you went to? Oh, no, I, I left the military whilst they were, so my unit was in Iraq and the year after I'd left, they'd gone into back or into Afghanistan. Yeah. Wow. I was doing the, the counterterrorism um, oh, wow. at that stage, yeah. Yeah, well, you're, you're in the Middle East for a good amount of time, right? Yeah, oh, well, the unit, gosh, there's probably blokes still there, and that was back in, since 2004. So it's wow. been, what's that, 10? It's, it's, it's nearly 15 years. Yeah. And you know what's funny too? There's a lot of people back home that didn't know that we're still at war today. And it's been about 17, 18 years that we've been at war over there and maybe even further that we've been in the Middle East. Yeah, and gosh, and for me, when I think about it and have conversations with people, there's a certain... Um, I. I the emotion would almost be guilt for like leaving the military. And when I converse with friends who are still in the military or I've, I've lost a lot of mates, you know, that, that have either um, they were killed in action or they've come home and they've been unable to, to kind of deal with the demons that um, mm -hmm. of, of things that were done or not done. And, and they've taken their own lives and, uh, it really hurts my heart. It saddens me. Absolutely. And I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, or not even funny, but in Memorial Day, when everything was going, going on and they talk about people who have passed away, I, I think it's, it's crazy how people in society just think about the people that have gone away in action. But there's so many people on base um, where I'm at or just on base in general and other bases that have lost their lives due to suicide or a yeah. lot of our a lot of our deaths are mishap with um, mechanical engineers just dropping stuff on someone or half-assing their job. Um, there's a lot more to it than just going to the Middle East or going to a war zone and dying in action, I guess. And um, yeah. I think... Yeah, I think for Memorial Day just happening the other day, I was telling people, yeah, I mean, it's in honor of those who passed away in service, but don't forget the people that are back home that have lost their lives as well. So, yeah, exactly. And 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 for those who who continue to serve, like they've it 
and I think that's back to the essence of our being as well is, is service and contribution. I think we very much get stuck in the surface layers and levels of everyday life. And a lot of us aren't willing to put on the, the, the snorkel and the, and the mask or even the scuba gear and go, go for a bit of a dive down into, into deeper meaning and understanding around our connection, you know, with one another as humans, but also the universe, nature um, in which we live. And when we kind of transcend a lot of that separateness and we realize that we're all connected, mm. um, it really helps to, to change perspectives and, and just calm us down, just allow us to be more centered, um, pragmatic, gentle, kind human beings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. But as well as far as the military, I mean, going back to your training, putting you in that whole uh, mindset of where you were back then, what traits did you pick up that now are helping you in where you are today? Um, for me, it's self-development. I still can grow or not self-development, but self-discipline. Um, I still can grow completely. But as far as self-discipline, waking up early, uh, making sure I'm not eating a bunch of crap food, um, working out intense. What have you, what type of traits have you picked up from the military? Oh gosh, so many. Um, yeah, dis- discipline is definitely one of them. Loyalty, um, commitment, mm-hmm. uh, resolve, resilience, uh, consistency. Um, like, mateship you know that 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 uh the the intrinsic i guess values and attributes that um help us to get out of bed each day you know put our two feet on the ground yeah being grateful for for being able to take a breath and um and have two arms and two legs and and get after it and just um Whatever that might be, you know, if, if there's particular goals that you've, uh, that you've set or you're just, you're just questioning your way of being and there's a lot of uncertainty, but, but you know that, that, you know, your intuition that if you address those thought processes and, those, and, and, and the way in which you perceive you can potentially be different. And a lot of this for me has come from the military. It's, it's come from that foundation and the framework. And, and to a degree, the military draws the line and says, this is the standard, this is the expectation, live up to that expectation or there's the door, buddy. And um, you, need to be, you need to be practical about your, um, your approach to things and, and have a laser-like focus because if you procrastinate and you get caught up in a lot of subsidiary stuff you don't do the things that need to be done exactly and and that's where we start to i think for a lot of us confirm a certain story that we're already telling ourselves when a lot of the time the practical nature of doing things is just putting your shoes on you know, whatever, you know, and going out and doing it, like going for a run, how hard is it really? Exactly. It's not that hard. It's put your shoes on and your clothes and out the door. But how many of us have this inner turmoil and all these obstacles that we're trying to overcome just to get out the door? And that's what the military taught me. And having, you know, a timing to, to adhere to, it's like zero seven hundred. You're all, you're expected to be standing up out the front in formation, roll call, and then boom, you're out, you're out running. And I think, I think it just helps you. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard to explain. It's, it's definitely taking what we comprehend and the intellect understands, but putting it into practice. 
It's the practice, it's the practice. It's the behaviors you form around the practice that makes it become second nature. And then when you do something different, it feels odd. Exactly. Like, I, it, I, I'm, I'm, sorry. No, you're completely fine. It, it's really, you're forming a habit. For instance, at recruit training, when I was at boot camp, I, number one, the first day, they're like, yeah, 15 minutes to make your bed, get ready, brush your teeth, shave, and you need to be downstairs in formation with your whole entire uniform on. You need to make sure you're good to go, that laces are tucked in, everything's good, you're in formation, all that. And everybody has to be down there or else you're all in trouble. And yeah. so you're like, crud, I, all right, so time to make my bed. You're helping the next guy, you're helping this guy, and then you're over there getting cutting your face while you're shaving just yeah. making sure you get down there and it's making those timelines and being in those high stress um, areas at first at the beginning of boot camp, it was like, Oh, how am I ever going to amount to their standards? But eventually you learn to work as a team and you learn to create these habits in order to get the situation knocked out. And instead of 15 minutes, you're done in five to 10 minutes and yeah. some, something that seems almost impossible gets done because you have a desire to get it done because number one you don't want to get yelled at and you don't want to get like trained but yeah. uh, i mean through it there's so much that i've learned from boot camp alone that i could totally transfer into entrepreneurial or business mind or a business mindset and um, i think really the military is a very good route for those who are 18, 19, even 20 and so on that really need to kind of grow up and learn these traits. Um, Cause obviously it helped you a lot. And in my defense, I think as well, I've learned so much from it. Yeah. It's actually two other things that, um, that come to mind listening to you now is accountability and responsibility. Absolutely. You know, we're not just accountability to ourselves, but also to the team, you know, to, to, to the things that we desire to do. So if it's joining, you know, we're talking the military here, we're accountable to, to those standards and um, anything less to a degree is unacceptable. And you can, you can transfer that into, into everyday life. Like you've chosen, we choose to do things and, and making those choices, responsibilities come along with that and, and we're accountable to it. And that's where having a conversation, I guess, and, and having mentors and role models is important because that transition out of being a child, a teenager, and becoming an adult, we are responsible for our actions. And I think, unfortunately, nowadays, a lot of us are constantly trying to deflect, create excuses or justifications as to reasons why we didn't do something or we did this in place of something else. And, you know, it doesn't wash. Maybe once or twice, but then after that, it's like, why haven't you learned your lesson yet? And Absolutely. But, uh, again, you know, I, I, I took this from The Biggest Loser um, and training you know, the contestants or the people on that show is the motivation and how we, we, we get people to a, to a point where they're willing and capable of doing it for themselves. You know, fear, fear is, a, is a tool and it, and it can definitely um, get people doing things. But what it does is it has them conform and, but it doesn't change the way in which they think. Because there's, appre- there's always apprehension. There's always tension. There's a lot of uncertainty with fear. And, and it wears people out. It's like, why do they have interchange in, in, in combat sports? Because of a certain process and a way of thinking. And you need to, you need to conjure certain emotions like aggression and... and uh, and, and, uh, and anger and the like, because you're going into battle, but it wears you out. Whereas if you can, if you can meet people on the same level and you can give them and provide the tools for them and the strategies to, to cope with their environments and, and how things kind of transpire, 
it helps them to change the way in which they think. And then that intrinsic drive and that, that internal motivation, that, that fire's well lit and they're, uh, they're off and running. Absolutely. I think something you said there that really stuck out to me was fear doesn't really kill the person they were before in, in a sense. And no. I, I really think that's something special that you said for the reason being in the Air Force, I know it's different in other branches. For instance, the Marines, the Army, um, that's seen a little more aggressive. Um, they're, they don't conform as easy as we do. For instance, once we get out of boot camp, we have all this self-discipline. We go to tech school. We still have the self-discipline, but it starts to lower and lower. And then once we get our freedom completely back and we're stationed at our first duty station, people go into the habit of, oh, I'm going to play video games. Well, I'm going to eat a little bit of this. I want that. And then they can't pass a PT test or, you know, there's a standard that when I was at boot camp, I wanted to be the number one in PT. So I worked before I got to boot camp in order to be number one in PT. Did I get mm -hmm. it? No, there was another guy from Massachusetts who's one of my best friends and he actually beat me. But that standard never dropped and I'm still out there running and doing what I got to do in order to get it. And I think a lot of people don't have that mindset. And how can how do you think somebody can change it as far as um, really you, you kind of said it with the biggest loser and how you guys do it, but if there's somebody that really wants to change their mindset, really want to change the habit of uh, maybe eating unhealthy, how do you think they can overcome that? First, you've got to accept where you're at because a lot, there's a lot of resistance going on. And whatever you resist persists. Exactly. And um, through the acceptance, because you got yourself there, it was through your choices, the things that you chose to do or not do, and and uh, it didn't just happen because of X, Y, and Z external to you. So that acceptance of what is, okay, create some space, put some space around that. Now, what are practical solutions and strategies that I can put in place to help get me out of this hole. It's like they dug in and they're still digging. All right, it's time to stop digging. It's time to claw your way out of the trench. Mm. And um, if you don't know, that's where, again, back to mentors, back to role models and aspiring to be like others and, and looking at their work ethic and the things that they're, they're committed to. And a lot of that commitment really distilled down is consistency. They consistent, mm. consistently do the same things. It, they, they create familiar, familiar, a familiarity. And um, what that creates is rhythm because we Absolutely. all want rhythm. So just for example, it's, it's going into winter here in Australia. And the other day, it was about midday, there was a big change in the weather. Like a cold front came in, the wind came up, the trees were getting, you know, there was leaves everywhere. It was just, it was uncomfortable. But you can see how quickly just the weather rattles your cage. Wow. It, breaks, it breaks your rhythm. Yep. And if you're not in tune with that, it creates agitation. You become resistant within yourself. And then you wonder why you start getting a bit cranky, a bit angry, a bit, you know, just prickly and um if you just go oh yeah it's the weather yeah well there's nothing you can do about it you just what are some practical solutions um if you've got to be out in the weather that you can do put on a warm jacket you know put on a a, a, a windproof jacket kind of bunker down a little bit and um and you'll be okay and and it's much like anything else in life it's um if if you if your rhythm's broken how do you get that rhythm back? What are, what are some of the practical things that you can, you can attach to that help to create that certainty so that you can put your best effort forward and you're not using energy unnecessarily because you're resistant to what is actually occurring? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's funny too because I can relate to that. Being a mechanic on the jets, 
it gets negative 60 here sometimes during the winter. And number one, it it hurts. If you've never been in negative degree weather, especially negative 60, everything hurts. No matter what you're wearing, it doesn't get easy. Now, when we're working on the jets and we have to grab these tiny little screws, there's no gloves that will let you grab those screws. For that reason, when we're up there and it's freezing and that wind's blowing... It requires major focus in order to get the task done. And that's something that I've learned from the military as well is the missions first and the mission always has to get done. Um, It's understanding how to focus in times like that and really taking leadership, taking ownership and getting something done in order to really because getting that mission done is saving somebody's life. You're we, we get it done for the reason being we need that airplane to be in the air doing a mission completing it so others don't have to lose a life you know and so i think that was pretty cool how you you mentioned that and how when people felt that cold front in australia it really kind of put some perspective you know it's just it's and it's it's always little things where because we all too often get caught up in the complexities of 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 life and business and and just being busy we make it out to be something or make it out to be so much more than it really is and taking what's knocking about in your head and writing it down and um creating something tangible that you can work with that's that's the skill of planning and preparation Mm. and um it helps it helps you to kind of demyth or or burst the uh, the illusion bubble because we get caught up in all these like these little illusions or delusions sometimes, and we, we we're always trying to we tend to make things out to be a lot worse than they are, and um, and and that creates again a lot of that resistance, and it's uh, I, I find myself doing it you know daily. And I need to do it. And also, it helps you to prioritize and reflect on the things that actually are most important. And when you can do that, and I think that comes with age as well. Like I'm in my 40s now. And as you get older, you slow down. And you, you realize you only have so much energy and, and, uh, and time. And you don't recover like you did when you were young. And so what do you want to afford your energy and time to? What are the things that you're most passionate about and carry the most meaning? And and when I say the most meaning, I'm talking weight. I'm talking, you know, there's substance, like there's a thickness. There's a, like it's something that never goes away. And um, put your energy and attention into that. And but a lot of the time we don't because of fear, because we we like to try and figure things out before we engage. But unfortunately, that's just not how life works. Yeah, you can well, elicit. Well, yeah, yeah. Before I left, there was a quote that I read, and it said, "Doubt kills more more dreams than fear ever will." And that it's so true. Like there's so many people out there that or doubting their ability to go out and do, like you said, the weight or doing um, the things that they wanted to do, the things that they want to be because they think they're not able to do it or they're not capable of doing it. But it really just takes action. It takes um, a sense of desire in order to get there and figuring out different ways and how you can be there, really. Totally. And, I, and that's where I believe it's important to to nurture children and create a foundation that is based in action for them because then it's a norm that that's what they default to in difficult circumstances. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and it helps to build and uh, confidence, belief and, and, and worth. And a lot of people too don't believe that they're worthy of, 
of doing the things that they're passionate about or that they enjoy. It's it that's for somebody else. Mm. No, I say like it. Go out and do it. Yeah, it, it'll challenge. It'll challenge the bejeebas out of you. You'll be you'll be scared out of your brains. But if you're willing to work and you're willing to to dig in, and um, if one path doesn't get you there, take a step back, take a deep breath, accept that that didn't work, and change the bearing on the compass and go at it from another from another angle. Exactly. That, is that something you teach at your commando camps? Yeah, like at the definitely at the camps. It's 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 about connection. It's about um, making feet, uh, making people feel that they belong, mm. that they're they're as equal as anybody else. And I I feel when you do that, and you meet people in the middle, that in that common ground, that um, they see that you're just as human as they are, and they 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 don't just see or hear your commitment through the spoken word they feel it they pick up on that energy that intuition and their willingness to engage and and take it up you know to the next notch or a couple of notches and um it, it's amazing it's amazing in 3 days the the change that i've seen in people who really lack self belief and and they, they constantly doubt themselves, kind of turn a corner. And um, that's, that's more so through just doing stuff together as a team. And, and that stuff is action. It's, it's hard work. Absolutely. And you're making a, a community and a culture as well through it. And I think that just helps people thrive. And like you said, accountability is so important that you're really – that kind of creates an accountability partner. Have you seen anything like that where like somebody that has never met each other, they connect and now they're, you know, they're growing together from these camps. Totally. There's so many people like it's when you get on Facebook and you look at, you know, when it gives you those memories five years ago and, and things like that. And, and um, I constantly see those things pop up on Facebook where the people who've come and done the camps and they've had photos with others that they'd never met before. And they still continue a friendship, or or through the camp, um, I they were introduced to say Olympic weightlifting, and they fell in love with it, or wow. they never thought that they could run, and we did some running on the camp, and they there was a new found passion for that, and they pursued running. It's it's just. It's so amazing. And, and, and that's what I see is the, in the beauty of technology with apps nowadays. Like look at Strava. Have you, have you heard of Strava? No, not at all. So, so Strava is an app that um, is for like running, cycling and swimming. Okay. And you can connect with anybody anywhere in the world. And, that's, and, and through that connection, you feel accountable to others. And you see them post you know, they've gone for a run or they've, they've gone and done a cycle or they've done a swim. And it, it helps to motivate and, um, and push you to, uh, you know, you might be feeling a bit flat and you're like, you're umming and ahhing about, oh, should I do this training session today? And you see someone post, because like, I'm on there with my brother and I see him do something and I'm like, get off your backside, buddy. Go out and do it. <laughs> of course. That, that's important, having that accountability partner. But on top of that, I think what you do in those commando camps from hearing what other people experience, that's beautiful in itself because today it seems like so many people want to be accepted. People look at social media and I say it all the time in my podcast, people look at social media and they're like, man, why don't I look like this person? Why am I not this person? Why can't I be like this person? And it really just puts this uh, insecurity and negativity inside them that, they're never going to be able to love themselves the way they should. And I think that's beautiful that you do that at commando camps for the reason being everybody kind of feels accepted. Everybody feels one. I'm sure people love it for that reason. 
and that yeah. they can step out of their comfort zone and meet all these people. Yeah. Well, what's the, what's the saying? Um, you know, acceptance or acknowledgement, babies cry for it and men die for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's true, but you know, smiling about it and going, wow, that's pretty profound, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm realizing that a lot of the things that we do, we're, we're seeking that acceptance amongst others. We're looking to have um, our thoughts and our beliefs and our way of being um, validated or um, confirmed by others. And then thinking sometimes, well, maybe that's a little bit silly. I, I, I don't need to pursue that course of action. Maybe if I just change it a little bit and, and go down this path, and it helps to just you know, break down some obstacles and things that, that really hold us back. Mm. But unfortunately, people too, they get quite upset with themselves um, and they get, you know, they get a bit angry and then they get angry with themselves for being angry or, or upset or guilty or, or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, I, I follow this, a great Zen Buddhist master, Thich Nhat Hanh, and he says the purpose of mindfulness is, um, is to be able to recognize um, your thoughts, your feelings, and, and the emotions that are born of those thoughts and how you react or respond to the environment at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and when you recognize within yourself that you're starting to get a bit angry or a bit cranky or a bit whatever it might be, rather than getting further upset with yourself, you, um, you put some space around it and you nurture it and you have a conversation with it like you would a little child if, if the child was distressed. You would comfort it and when you would give it reassurance and you'd tell it that it's okay. And then, and then it helps to calm that within you and you can then take that energy and be more focused with it rather than being this tumultuous, kind of out-of-control human being. Absolutely. And your, your thoughts are so powerful. There's oh, that quote. The- exactly. There's a, there's a quote that's, uh, you are what, what you think is what you become. Yeah. I definitely, I live by that quote because our thoughts are so powerful. Our mind is so powerful. Um, just somebody on the road that cut you off could ruin your whole day in a matter of seconds. And it, it's it isn't crazy. silly to allow that to happen. Exactly. Really? Yeah, I, and that that's people. That's the average person though today is yeah. that happens to them. And immediately it's all that M effort. That guy cut me off. I can't believe it. And then they're all upset for the rest of the day just because somebody cut them off. But in reality, maybe that person didn't know that you were there or uh, you never know why somebody did that. No matter what, um, it's just crazy how our thoughts can control our habits and how our rest of the, how the rest of the day goes or the flow of your day. Um, but if you can channel that, like you were saying, you can be able you could take a step back, you can breathe and then realize, okay, I'm not going to let that affect me. I'm going to win my day because I want to yeah. win my life. Um, and, and it's real. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, and that, that's some other, um, other things from the, uh, that I took away from the military and I've, I've been working on a lot lately. And, and I'm not sure if you know, I, I did a season of Survivor here in Australia last oh, yeah. year. And, um, <laughs> and the difference between reacting and responding. But responding is also a choice. You can choose whether to respond or not. And, and look at first, you know, look at the, the ambulance service or the fire service or the police. They're, they're first responders. Hmm. They respond in a practical, um, measured way. Unfortunately, many of us human beings, we react to circumstances. And just taking a beat, taking a breath, putting putting a bit of space between you and whatever happened and going, 
Do I need to respond or not? And a lot of the time, we don't need to project ourselves into a situation. Just take a step back and observe it. And sometimes it's actually quite funny. And you go, wow, in the past, I used to just jump in at at the click of a finger and um, you get all caught up in the drama. And uh, just to just step back and, and, uh, and observe. And, and we do it when we teach one another and we teach youngsters to drive cars. Don't sit up the tail of the car in front of you. Sit back, create some space so that you can better read what's going on in front of you. So if we teach it in driving, we can teach it in human behavior. Absolutely. That's actually kind of fun. I've never heard that saying before. Um, Obviously, I've heard when I was first driving at 16 to stay away from the car in front of you. But that's hilarious because it really is that. In all reality, exactly. You literally, if you were to just pause, take a step back and just really see the circumstance around you, if it's really worth getting mad or not, which most of the time it's not. just go ahead and continue about your day. I mean, it's, it's really just killing those negative thoughts. And if you didn't know, actually 80% of our thoughts are negative for, for the average person, 80% of our thoughts are negative, which I thought was absolutely insane. But with that in general, if we could combat that and you can keep a positive mindset, like I said, what you think is what you become the law of attraction will work in a way for you that you end up becoming what it is that you want to become. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, back that thick Nat Han, the, the, the Buddhist master, he's got a book and it's uh, one, of, one of his books. It's called um, No Mud, No Lotus. Wow. So without the mud, the lotus wouldn't exist. And the lotus being a beautiful water flower and the like, but it needs the mud to anchor itself. But like you just said, so many of us are constantly just focused on the mud. We don't see the beauty. Yeah. The mud's always there. Mm. It's through that struggle. It's through that suffering. It's through that pain, that fear. But it's no different for anybody. That's actually, those three things should unite us, not, not fracture us and create difference. That's what should bring us together and help us to come up with, with, a, with a way of being that, that we all embrace one another and we go on a journey together rather than doing it as, or thinking that we're doing it as individuals and getting caught up in these four walls. Absolutely. And have you heard of David Goggins? Yeah. You, yeah. He always says that you need a struggle. Like that Ooh. you got to learn to struggle and I can relate to him. It's hard for people that are listening to this that aren't in the military or been or know somebody in the military or grown around it to understand, I guess, struggle in a way in a military aspect. Because when you go through something that's super high stress and super beating you down, like when it's intentionally made to beat you down and break you apart, you you start to turn into something else. You you really, as I said, there's that, as you said, there's the mud and there's the lotus. You can turn into that lotus, or you could say, "Oh, my life stinks. This sucks," I, and just look at the mud. And yeah. that's what that's what he's really getting at. That's what David Goggins talks about: is that when you struggle, you learn something, and you become better than than what you were before. And I think I think that's something essential that people really need. And going down or, or embracing that way of being and, and looking for, I guess, the goal, the beauty within a struggle, I think at the start for a lot of people, because everybody struggles, is having others around you who are doing that already because mm. then they'll help to guide, they'll give you that guidance and they'll help you to kind of right the ship when um, and and kind of validate and confirm certain things that you say and actions that you do, and um, it just otherwise 
I think it, it can become quite overwhelming for a lot of people and then they just default to behaviours and habits that are, um, are very much based in that negative um, way of thinking and being. Mm-hmm. I agree. So we're running out of time, so I kind of want to just an- end it with one last question. Um, for the audience members that are listening to this, obviously we've talked a lot about how the military has changed the habits um, of us personally, both being in the military. Obviously, Steve was in the military way earlier than I was compared to me being in the military right now. Um, what type of habits or traits have you learned from the military that people can use today in order to really 10x their life, to really multiply their, their life by 10 times? Um, something that you have learned that has helped you so much to who you are now and you wish you knew back then before you joined the military? Communicating your expectations. Absolutely. Your standard. Because if people don't know, don't expect that they know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, we, we, we have a fear or we're incapable of having a conversation with others about our standards and how we like to live our lives. And when you can do that, people will either say, come on, man, that's not realistic. Like, let's um, compromise on that expectation or that standard a little bit and and kind of massage it. Or um, or no, I I get what it is that uh, you're saying and where you're coming from. And um, we kind of put it down as an operating procedure. It's something that, that we all strive to work towards. But if you can't have a conversation... Um, within your family around expectations, I've got kids, or with, you know, for me being a trainer as well with my clients around certain standards and expectations, um, you're going to have issues. And then think into business and, you know, having a company and having other people work for you. If they don't understand the mission and they don't understand um, the expectations and the standards of how you're going to achieve that mission, well, you're going to fall apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Steve, I want to say thank you so much for number one, being a part of the show. Number two, thank you for your service. Ultimately. Um, I can't thank you enough for that. Um, and number three, just thank you again for being a part of the show and just doing all that. But where, where could people find you, um, on social media and just anywhere? Where can they connect with you? Yeah. So people can connect with me. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and my website. And all the handles are Commando Steve. Of course. Guys, please go check out Commando Steve. Please do. He's a fantastic guy, as you already know. Um, So thank you, Steve. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Thanks, Danny. You were listening to Impact My City. Tune in next week for more knowledge and find ways to fulfill your dream.